Welcome to Beside the Burn for Wednesday the 6th of October and we continue to find Jesus in Genesis as we look at the story of Abram and we're coming to the, the crux of what defined Abram's life today. We're going to uh, think about how Abram uh, received these promises and how he became a follower of God and what we will see is that Abram's conversion story is very like our conversion story. If we look at Abram's life, we can see how our lives pan out. And that's strange because we often elevate Abram as a great leader, as the father of the nation, as the most important person in the Old Testament, as it were. And yet what we see is that he went through the same process that we go through. And therefore, there's no super Christian, there's no special position for different levels of Christianity. We all come to God in the same way, at the same level, and we receive the wonderful inheritance that he has for us. So let's look together, uh, first of all, from Genesis 15 that we read uh, at the weekend on Sunday. Uh, and this little phrase in verse 6 just sort of sits in the middle of the story and can almost get overlooked, and yet it is vitally important. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, there's so much that's caught up in that little verse. We might think to ourselves, well, that's okay. Abram believed. He's, he's considered righteous. But Abram is not considered righteous because of the things that he did. He's considered righteous because he believes in the Lord. And we find that very, very difficult to apply to our own lives. We think that we will be righteous. Now, what does righteous mean? Well, righteous means rightness, that whenever God looks at us, he sees that we are right. So to be right, we need to have sin removed from our lives. So we need to be living holy lives that are right before God. That's righteousness, being right before God. And we often equate that with the idea of doing good deeds. If we can do enough good deeds, then we will be right enough before God. And whenever God looks at us, instead of seeing our sin, he'll see the right things we've done and we will enter into heaven. But that is not how it works. Abram is considered righteous because he believes in God. And it's that step of belief in putting his faith in God that makes him righteous. And it's the same for you and I. We come to Jesus Christ and we trust in him. We put our faith in him and he then makes us righteous. Because you and I can't manage to do anything right for ourselves. We mess up. We get things wrong on a regular basis. And we can't be right in God's sight. Anything that we try to attempt in the realm of rightness, we often get completely wrong. Our attempts at righteousness are just like filthy rags in God's sight. 
But there is one who is righteous, and that is Jesus. Jesus has never sinned. He comes to this world and he lives a right life. So if we want to be righteous, the only thing we can do is rely upon somebody else, and that somebody else is Jesus Christ. We believe in him, and then his righteousness is credited to us. In other words, in our lives, there's no rightness. But if we trust in Jesus, he takes his righteousness and places it in our life. We receive it as a free gift. We receive it through no effort of our own. It is freely given and credited to us. And that is what happened to Abraham. And that is what happens to us. And therefore, we look to God and we trust in him, realising that we do not deserve a single thing that we get, but we receive it all freely through Jesus. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, we're told what this trust, what this faith is. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. We hope for eternal life. We hope for the rightness of God and assurance about what we do not see. We cannot see Jesus. We cannot see his righteousness, but we hope for it and we have an assurance that it is ours. And that is what makes all the difference. That is where salvation comes from. Now, moving on from righteousness, there's another little detail from Sunday's reading that we didn't have time to look at in church on Sunday, and I just want to spend a little bit of time on it now. It's verse 12, and there's, in verse 12 it says, As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Now, we were thinking on Sunday that how Abram wasn't worthy to walk through the middle of the blood of the animals and therefore God caused him to fall into this deep sleep and therefore God walked through in his presence instead. But it's the idea here that there's a thick and dreadful darkness that has come over Abraham. Abraham here is in the middle of a spiritual battle. He realises that he cannot fulfil his side of the bargain. And God is going to do that for him and send him an offspring in Jesus Christ. But the spiritual significance of this act is so great that this darkness comes upon him. That it's thick and dreadful such as the oppression that he feels in this deep sleep because he knows the battle that is taking place. It's a little bit like on the cross when Jesus was dying and there was darkness across the land because the spiritual battle that was taking place was an awesome battle at that time and the darkness signified that it looked as though Satan was winning and evil was taking over, but there was victory to come and there would be a new dawn and a new day on the Sabbath and on the Sunday whenever Jesus would rise again. And so it's important to realise that we are in the middle of a spiritual battle as well. That whenever we feel this thick, dreadful darkness, at times that is the battle against evil. And we need to turn to God 
and trust in him. We have one who is able to walk the blood. We have one who is able to grant us his righteousness. In the next couple of verses, 13 and 14, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. Here's God giving Abraham the assurance, and I suppose not just Abraham because he'll not see this, but giving the people, the children of Israel, the assurance that God has not abandoned them and that he will be with them. That this is what is going to happen and this is a a straightforward foretelling of going to Egypt and being in exile there and then eventually being able to leave that land, come back to Canaan, the promised land, and be richer because of it. They had to go through that suffering, but the blessing of that suffering would mean that they would be able to set up their new lives in the land of Canaan and that God had provided for them in that way. We also saw in verse 17 on Sunday, again, we didn't get to mention it in any great detail, how we signify God's presence here. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And Abraham is given this sign that God is with him and God is walking the blood and God is entering into the covenant and God's presence is shown through fire, the smoking firepot and the blazing torch. And it was the same for the children of Israel whenever they came out of Egypt and they were wandering through the desert and the wilderness and they were heading towards the promised land that God was with them and his presence was shown with fire. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And there we have Abraham seeing the presence of God in this fire, children of Israel having it. But then as we look ahead into the New Testament, here is Jesus. Jesus is God's presence with us. Jesus comes to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. There's no longer fire to signify that God is with us. We see Jesus and he is the reason that God is with us. So let's bow before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for your presence with us through Jesus. And Lord, never let us take Jesus for granted. Never let us take your presence for granted. But dwell in us through your Holy Spirit, we pray, that we might know the power of your Spirit and that we might know your leading and guiding in all that we do. Lord, we ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.